welcome to Novell Sales Talk. I'm your host, Aaron Quill. And this is Justin Taylor. And today in the studio, we have Ken Raycraft. Ken, good morning. Good morning. Ken, what do you do for us? I am a plate spin TSS, so that's in the data center group and I focus on the plate spin solutions. And that's actually why we asked you into the studio today. I wanna hear about some of the cool solutions you've done for customers. Sure, I have a couple of very cool things, at least in my opinion anyway, that are going on. So we actually had a customer who was looking to implement a forge. Before they implemented forge, generally they were looking to put this appliance at the partner site. Well, stop for a second. They were gonna implement a forge. What's a forge? Oh, sorry. So forge is a disaster recovery appliance. So basically you can think about it, disaster recovery in a box. Okay. So I get this to you box. My idea is I'm gonna be protecting my workloads to that appliance. So this is a hardware appliance as opposed to some of the Sousa Studio things that I'm sure you've been talking about. Yeah, so a hardware appliance that backs up when we say workload, you're really talking about a server's operating systems and the applications that are installed you're backing that up over to an appliance. Yes, so a lot of other disaster recovery solutions, they look at making sure my data is available or making sure my applications are available. But all the disaster recovery solutions from Novell, we're really trying to make sure the whole workload is really backed up. And that really especially helps when you're talking about recovery times because you're not making sure that you don't have to install your applications, you don't have to install your operating systems you're able to recover that entire workload very quickly. And just so people are clear on exactly what we're talking about, what this means is not only backing up those servers that you've got in your environment, but when one of them crashes, we can actually then bring up a virtualized version of that server up on the Forge appliance. So you're physically up and running. It's not like we're just talking about tape backup or backing up to disk. We're talking about making a backup in a virtual environment so that we can real quickly spin up that server and take its workload. Yes, exactly. So typically when people talk about disaster recovery, you need to make sure that you're up and running fairly quickly. So people talk about the recovery time objective. But as well, a lot of the plate spin solutions, they really make sure that you're up and running quickly, but then also helping you to actually recover from that disaster. So actually failing back to your production environment, because a lot of other solutions that are out there really just make sure that you're up and running and you're really sort of left to your own devices of how you get back to your production environment. And that is one of the key things that not only can that Forge box bring up a server that was crashed and run it in a virtual environment, when you go either fix the hardware or bring in new hardware, you literally can just drop that box in place and have the information from that virtual machine that's currently running on that Forge box sent over to the new hardware, it'll set up the drivers correctly so that we can boot that guy and we'll be up and going on the new hardware as soon as possible. Yeah, exactly. So for sure, I definitely believe that the recovery time is sort of one of the main strengths of the product. So now that we know what the product does, tell me about the customer. (laughs) Okay, so we have one customer who was looking to implement a Forge appliance. So they were working with one of our partners and they were looking to put the appliance at the partner site. And so one of the things that they were going to do is look at what type of bandwidth that they were going to require before actually putting the appliance at that partner site. And so one of the things that we implemented is we actually implemented some WAN emulation on the appliance itself to actually test. So then we could help them figure out, well, what type of bandwidth do I actually have to purchase before I actually go and sign my three-year contract to purchase that bandwidth. Oh, that's very cool. So you're actually simulating what it would be like if we buy this much bandwidth and then you can simulate what would it be like if I had this much bandwidth? Exactly, so for example, we did the initial replications on their one gigabit LAN where we were replicating at speeds probably like 450 megabits per second, but the type of bandwidth that they were looking to purchase was 10 megabits per second, so we did some testing around that. 
We also did some testing if they were going to have 20 megabits per second. Basically, what type of services could then their IT department really offer back to the business yeah. to say, well, if you spend this amount of money, well, this is what I can offer you. If we spend more money on more pipe, well, then this is the type of thing I can offer you. Is that emulation software, something that's built into the product? Again, I'm not an expert on that, but is that something built into it, or is that something no, so that you actually, had to customize? We actually used OpenSUSE and just some networking, I don't want to call it trickery, but basically the appliance actually includes VMware ESX. So we just used a lot of the virtual networking that's included within ESX and really just bridged the communication through that OpenSUSE VM that we had. And from within there, I don't exactly remember the command, but it's all included within the kernel yeah. where you could specify what type of speed you were allowing, what type of latency you were allowing, all within the VM. So that's cool. So for a WAN-based solution, they were able to really do an honest proof of concept to see what it was really going to feel like once they implemented it. Yes. And so just out of curiosity, what did they wind up with? They went with a 10 megabit okay. connection, so they have 21 workloads that they're replicating to their partner site with the appliance with that 10 megabit connection. And so they've sort of staggered off the replications to make sure that they're able to get all of the changes over within their appropriate replication window. Cool. And you said you had a couple more success stories for us. Sure. So actually another success story, which I personally think this customer was looking to evaluate our software. The people that we were talking to were based in New York. The IT department was based there. The servers that they were looking to replicate were in Chicago. And where they were looking to replicate it to was one of their other sites in this case. But that other site was in France. And wow. so they were replicating to some virtual infrastructure that they had in France. It was all being configured out of New York. And they were replicating servers that were based in Chicago. And so that customer purchased the software and they're starting to implement now. And so as part of their implementation, they're going to have six ESX servers in France, and they're going to be replicating about 150 workloads, some are in Chicago, some that are in New York, to France. So in case of disaster, in this case, they're able to protect from a little D disaster, a big D disaster, because they're on a whole other yeah. continent that they're doing this replication to. I like that. It's on the other side of the world. It's great if there's something, a catastrophic failure in New York or in Europe or whatever, it's cool because you've got your other data center up and running, but when you turn that thing on for the first time, that's got to be just a huge amount of sync that you've got to have go across the wire. Doesn't that take months to get those terabytes worth of data over there? Sure. So actually what they're doing is for the initial replication, they are capturing the initial workloads locally. So okay. they're capturing them locally to Chicago, locally to New York. And actually what they're doing is capturing those to just disk. They're shipping those drives to France, deploying them and adding them to their virtual infrastructure there. So then at that point, just the changes are going to be sent. Across oh, the line. cool. So you start out with them in almost a replicated mode before you even turn them on, or maybe a little bit of drift from however long it took you to ship those drives exactly. over. FedEx replication. Yeah. Yes, FedEx exactly. FedEx-based replication. For your first sync, though, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, because usually when I talk to customers about that, we talk about you just put the drives in your truck and drive yep. them over to the other site. Yeah. It's not really possible here, but... The truck would be pretty slow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you FedEx those drives over to France, they add them to the virtual infrastructure, and then they're going to be looking at just the blocks that are changed on the disk. And how often are they going to synchronize those blocks? Is that going to be a continuous thing throughout the day, or are they using windows in which they're going to sync? Sure, so that customer is really going to depend on the servers that they're replicating. So some of the servers are databases, and so they're going to be replicating them uh, their plan is every six hours. Okay. They're going to be replicating the changes. But for some of their other servers that have less rates of data change, they're going to be replicating those once a night. Now, you said something earlier that I just want you to define a little bit more. You said block-based. 
Sure. So basically within the software, you have a couple of choices of looking at what's changed from our last replication. So you can either look at what files are different than our last replication or what blocks on the disk are different than our last replication. In which case, you're just looking at a portion of a file. So if you've got yeah. a big file, you don't need to replicate that whole file. It's just the physical portion of that file that changed. Yes. So usually when customers ask me which one I should choose, I typically say if the application writes to large files, well, then you should use block-based. As you say, it's just going to send the pieces of the file that have been modified. Yeah. Where if you're doing file-based, if the timestamp on that file has been updated, well, we're going to send that whole file. Ken, thanks for sitting down and talking to Justin and I about some of the cool ways that you've used Platespin Protect and Platespin Forge. Sure. Thanks, guys. This was fun. Novell Sales Talk is brought to you by Novell Inc. You can send us feedback at salestalk at novell.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.